Right, Father God, we are so grateful that you are the king of this world, and we want to. We thank you that you are a God who is uh, who's rational. Um, and so, Lord, uh, believing in you is totally something that is it's it makes sense. Uh, and so, we just pray, Lord, that now you may encourage us to uh, to ask questions, to um, to really challenge our own beliefs. Um, I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, so guys, just while we're waiting for the questions, uh, something that I thought... There is one question that has come in here. Okay, okay, but before... Before, before, before you do that, sir. Um, okay, so the, <laughs> the, the question I just want to... The thing I just want to say to you guys is one of the reasons we do this is if you, if you are a Christian and you're here... Um, something you might get out of something like this is that uh, Christianity is a completely rational system to believe in. Um, and if, uh, if you believe in Jesus just because, um, but there's no rationale behind it, uh, there's no, your, your belief in Jesus isn't based on historical evidence about Jesus or, or it doesn't rationally make sense, then you will find during life, when, when life is easy, it's going to be easy to believe in Jesus. But when life is tough and you start to question what you believe, then you're not going to have a firm, a firm grounding for your faith. And you'll probably just give up on your Christianity. So it's a good idea that you really test what you believe in. Um, that you're not just, you're not just happy with it. You actually question it and you, you roll it around because Christianity can take it. Uh, like I said, it's a completely rational belief system. It can take your questions God can take your questions. Um, so ground your faith in something that's firm. Uh, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, you, you might be skeptical about Christianity or you might be skeptical having questions about life because, because God has made the world to have Christianity in it and he's made it the only way to him, then that's the only way to live. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If he is the life, the only way we should... We, then uh, then it's good that we try question Christianity we try question it and work out its kinks um, before you follow it or to disregard it all right so having said that uh, let's just check there's questions coming in uh, okay so the first question that I'm just going to read um, and I'll read it out to us um, so black can hear it as well there's also there are kind of two questions that are similar um, on this thing right Okay. So okay. Look at that. Okay. There's a lot of questions coming. This is good. Um, so, Black, I'm just going. Okay. I'll. The first question is: Why does God punish temporary sin with eternal punishment? If it's not forever sin, why is it eternal punishment? Surely hell can't last forever. Uh, okay. So let me read that question again. It says: Why does God punish temporary sin with eternal punishment? Uh, if it's not a forever sin, why is it eternal punishment? Surely hell can't last forever. All right, so that's the question. So to I the, kind of think this panel. question links. Do you think that helps if we do those together? Okay. Uh, if so, basically, so the other question here is: If God is an all-loving and all-forgiving God, why is there hell? Okay, that's a good question. Um, all right, so I'll open it up to the panel. Um, does anybody else want to answer it first? Sorry, did we combine the second question as well? 
I think the thing is, if God is loving um, and sin is only sh- temporary, why is the punishment so drastic? God is loving. Um, why is the eternal punishment? Why does hell last forever? And if yeah. he is loving, why, why is there hell in the first place? Yeah. So any of the panel want to give it a shot, otherwise I'll go, but um, I'm still formulating my answers. So, so let, let's, I mean, there's a lot of aspects to this because these are really fair questions to ask. Um, let me talk about w- uh, if sin is temporary. So I think let's, let's think about what sin is. Sin is more than just an action we do. You know, sometimes we say sin is what you say or you do or you think, which is true. I mean, we can give thousands of examples of sin from lying to um, lust, which is in your head or pride in your head that no one knows about. Um, But the reality sin is, is much more than the action. The action just proves your condition on the inside. So when you have chicken pox, the way you know is that you get all those itchy bumps. You have the disease on the inside. The the itchy bumps of chicken pox are proof that you have the condition on the inside. And that's what sin is. Those actions, those thoughts, that behavior is proof that your heart condition on the inside is the state of sin. And the heart of the state of sin is, thanks to God, but I'm going to do me, all me. so any action, you know, we can feel like sin is short term because if I hit Gareth and then say, sorry, we like, oh, that was a short term exchange. Why something that short term gets an eternal punishment? But actually that action just was showing that we were completely broken on the inside. And the choice we made was to say no to God forever because that is the action of sin. Um, I see who you are, but I'm going to ignore you and choose me instead again and again, repeatedly with every good action and every bad action. So when you're in that state, even the good actions come from proving yourself, loving yourself more than anyone else, wanting to kind of define yourself without God. Um, And that is such a holistic long-term punishment, long-term problem that the only balance is if you say no to God forever, you get no God forever. That's what hell is. God being like, cool, let me give you what you want forever and ever. So that's just one aspect of the question. Mm. Black. Uh, unmuting Black. Okay, Black, go for it. Cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Lauren um, hit it on the head. Um, I think another thing is the understanding who our sin is against. So when when David um, sins against Bathsheba and Uriah, um, when Nathan confronts him, his response is not to say, I've messed up against Bathsheba and Uriah, of which he has. I mean, he, he forced himself on Bathsheba, killed Uriah. Uh, but David, David's response shows us um, um, the, the object um, of, of um, where our sin goes, and, and that is God ultimately. So, so he says in his prayer, um, to you, God, and you alone have I sinned, um, because ultimately all sin is against God. So if Lauren hits Gareth, she, yes, she's hitting Gareth, but the act of sin is ultimately against, against God. Um, and and, and uh, because God is the one who created the world, he's the one who set the rules, who set the laws, um, and so he's the one who's ultimately holy uh, compared to any of us. And so any act of sin is directly against him. 
Um, and so if God is, is an eternal God and God is as big as he is, um, then the punishment for sin against him uh, will be equivalent to how big God is. So if God is an eternal God, that's why his punishment is eternal. If God is an eternal God, that's why his love is eternal. Um, and so if, if you sin, if, you, if I sin against Gareth, Gareth is 33 years old. And I don't know how, how big Gareth is, but when he was modeling for us earlier on, I, I, he's probably like a, how, how, how big are you, bro? Like how many, how many kgs are you? Yeah, so so the 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 amount of punishment I'm gonna get is worth seventy kgs, right? So however strong his fist is or if he gives me his entire body and smacks me with it, I'll get seventy kgs worth of punishment. But if if I sin against God, I'm getting eternal punishment because God is not 70 kgs. He's not a size 32. He's, he's an eternal God. He's a big God. So his punishment is big. Um, and, and I think that just also shows us the, the power of sin and the gravity of sin. Um, that sin is not, again, it's not just the actions like Lauren said. It's a, it's a horrible power that rules us from within our hearts. Um, and so ultimately, when we shake our fists, we're shaking them against a big eternal God. And that's why we get big eternal punishment. Thanks, Black. Um, all right. I think, I think that's a great answer for that uh, question. So let's just, the one other aspect, I don't know if you want to talk to this, is if God is loving, how does God's love line up with God's punishment and judgment? Oh, right. Um, yeah, so... I don't think it's uh, it's unfair to, you know, often when we look at punishment, we somehow see it as not being loving. Um, but if I punish my daughter for doing something wrong, I'm not being an unloving father. In fact, I'm being loving, right? Um, so we actually see punishment as a form of love. Um, take it one step bigger. Uh, if If... I see a guy who, uh, let's just think of a heinous crime, who is a serial killer, uh, who is a rapist. Uh, let's just think of the worst thing. We don't want to see that person out on the streets, right? We want justice. Um, and we think to ourselves, if, if the government that we live under is a loving government, they will punish evil, right? They will punish things that are wrong. Um, so, it's loving to actually punish. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Um, and so therefore, if God is a loving God, uh, then punishment should be around. Okay. Now, the thing is, uh, the next step we've got to do. So, so one is punishment is uh, a loving thing to do. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is that we've got to shift our, our point of view um, and see things from God's perspective. Because in God's eyes, sin is the wickedest thing in humanity. Um, because sin is the thing that causes all the evil in the world. It causes everything that has broken down his creation is sin. Okay? So you, you can't just see it as, uh, from our perspective, we often look at, at an evil thought and we go, that's not a nice thing. From God's perspective, it is as heinous as luck, the biggest evil on this planet 
Um, and because he set up the justice system, um, he defines what should be punished. And so the way God looks at it is he goes, sin, as, as Black has said, is worthy of his weight. And his weight is eternal punishment. Um, so the, the, the wrong question, so perhaps, or perhaps a better question is to ask is, what has God done uh, to help us from receiving eternal punishment? Because eternal punishment in God's created world is right. Um, what would be wrong of God is if he didn't stop us from getting that punishment. Because you and I all know that because sin is inside of us, we can't stop it. Uh, and God has to do, has to punish sin. He has to, otherwise he's not a loving God, as we said. I mean, there are people that are killing, uh, killing thousands, and it's all because of their sinful nature. Um, it would be wrong if he didn't punish the evil that people did. But the question is, then how do we get saved from this eternal punishment if, if sin is inside of us, pushing us to do these things? Well, the thing is, Jesus comes and dies on the cross. He says, Okay, I see you guys are going to hell. I know there's nothing that can stop you from doing that. At the same time, I have to punish sin. How do I do this? Well, then I'm going to come down and I'm going to take the punishment of sin in your place. And therefore, God is completely just because he punishes. He does punish evil and he punishes it properly. He just puts it all on his son, Jesus. Uh, and then when Jesus dies at the cross, he takes that punishment in our place. Uh, and so he takes the wrath that we deserve and therefore gives us, gives us heaven and gives us the choice to, to not go to hell. Mm. Was that clear? Did I, was that clear there? I think that helps, you know, like, you're like, oh, why would God punish? We're like, well, he's shown you punishment and he's shown you there's a way out. It's like being like, oh, why would you give me no food to eat? And you're standing in front of the buffet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, God hasn't left us without a way out. So I think if you have friends saying that to you, you're like, of course he's going to punish, but he's also offered forgiveness. Um, that forgiveness lasts until this world ends, until Jesus comes back, which is why Christians are so obsessed with telling people about it, because there's an expiry date. Yeah. Um, I think let's, this is, there's so many great questions, guys. Thank you. These are all really great. Um, yeah. This is kind of a one that has lots of different aspects to it. So yeah. let me read it all out. And then we can deal with different parts of yeah. it. So first is, what is a lukewarm Christian? Second is, how do I deal with friends who are lukewarm? How do I bring them to Christ? And the third part of that is, if I am considered a lukewarm Christian, how do I ask for God's help? Yeah. Mm, good question. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'll, I'll start with the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> so what, 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 is a, what is a lukewarm Christian? Um, I think that there's probably other times, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at least where I, I first read about it is in Revelation where God, uh, Jesus is speaking about, I forgot which church, but, um, but, but this church was, um, yeah, I mean, they were, I think they were like doing like good things, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, and so by good things, I mean like just charitable stuff. So there were, giving people food, giving people clothes, sort of stuff, but their hearts were not in the thing. Um, so, so they were not, they were not doing all of these things. So for, for example, with us coming to church, reading the Bible, being in, in this group right now, blah, blah, blah. So you do all the quote unquote good church stuff, but your heart is not in it at all, you know? So, 
So if, if somebody asks you, like, are you fully sold out for Jesus? Um, a, luke, a lukewarm Christian would say yes, because they'd look at all the things that they're doing. Um, but but at the at the core of it, if we opened up your chest and examined your heart, um, we would find that your heart is not in it for for Jesus. Um, but what you actually want is is the people around you, particularly the church people around you, or even people outside of church, to to basically worship at the at the altar of your self righteousness. Um, so you want to say to people, hey, look look at how amazing I am. I'm doing all these things. But your heart is not is not in it for um, for Jesus. So so a lukewarm Christian is somebody who um, I think even saying I think even saying lukewarm Christian is a is a uh, paradox. So you, you can't be lukewarm and be Christian because a Christian is fully sold out uh, for for Jesus and Jesus's thing. So some somebody who's lukewarm instead of calling them a lukewarm Christian, somebody who's lukewarm um, is somebody who hasn't. In, in the depth of their hearts, given themselves to 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 Jesus, so they they still they still playing on the fence. Uh, they still flirting with sin. They flirt with the things of God. They're not flirting with with Jesus. They flirting with the things of Jesus. So church, Bible studies, youth groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they haven't actually said, Lord, I am giving up everything so that I can follow you wholeheartedly. I, I am yours. Um, so yeah, hope that that helps. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, you go. You go next. Um, thanks, Black. It's super helpful. I, I pulled out Revelation three exactly like you're saying, where they've said this, and um, I think that's a great answer. There isn't actually such a thing as a lukewarm Christian, and I think when you hear that, you're like, look, that might be me because I look at my actions and I know how far short I fall. Yeah. But we all know, and it's interesting. Later on in that passage, he says, uh, he says, um, I wish you were either hot or cold because you're not, you know where. Um, he's verse 17 says, you say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need anything, but you don't realize you're blind, pitiful, poor, and naked. And the funny thing is the heart of being a Christian is you've only come to Jesus because you realize you've got nothing in yourself. So this don't look at your outward actions to try to judge whether you're lukewarm or not. Check whether you know that you fall short of God's glory. And when you, when you wonder, or, or you're like, you have had a bad day as a Christian, that what do you look to to make yourself feel better? If you're like, you are better try harder tomorrow, be aware of that. If your first answer is at least I have, thank goodness I have Jesus. You know where your heart's at. Yeah. So we never use our upward actions as the first judgment of whether we're lukewarm or not. We go, yeah. today I try Jesus. So then when you look at yourself and you're like, today I think I haven't been useful for Jesus. Because that was the whole point of hot and cold. He says, the whole revelation, he's talking yeah. to these Christians. He's challenging them to like stick with Jesus to the end, regardless of how hard it is. Um, so when you've had a day, you're like, maybe I haven't clung to Jesus. The, the thing you do, the uh, help you ask from God is literally being like, God, I'm really sorry. Please remind me again that Jesus has forgiven me. Thank you that you are the one who does that yeah, for me. Yeah. You turn straight back to Jesus. Um, all the things of Christianity flow from how you trust Jesus. And it's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, Jesus, please help me trust you now thing. So don't panic by looking at your outward actions check that you're trusting Jesus in your heart. And we know that the reason we trust Jesus is because we do fall yeah. so far short. So if you're aware of your sinfulness, that's actually good. And um, let that drive you back to Jesus. And if that's, if that's your day-to-day routine, your minute-to-minute routine, they, that's what being yeah. a Christian is. That's really normal. And then 
don't stress about being a lukewarm Christian. You're a you're a, you're a Christian the way they live. Yeah. So so can I add just a little bit to? I'm I'm just adding to what Black and Lauren have already been saying. I'm not um, you know, like so so. I think something you've got to do if you if you're looking at Christianity and you look at it as this kind of uh, rules-based system, okay? Because uh, this is a lot of people think of Christianity. They think of it as Christianity means I have to be a good person. It means I have to have to do this. Have to have to have to have to. I want to say to you, just for a period of time, just throw that out the way, just for now. Just throw it out the way because let me tell you what Christianity really is. It is a relationship with God. Uh, so a lot of the language in the Bible, um, when it speaks about, uh, God and his people, it speaks about a, a marriage. Uh, and when you read that, you kind of get this picture of these two groups of people longing to be with each other. Um, you've got God and, uh, the Bible calls us his bride and, and it's this really like beautiful, loving relationship. Now, when you look at a marriage, no one ever goes, that's just this huge, big thing of rules. Uh, they first look at it and go, it's something beautiful. People love marriages. Uh, they love the idea of two people loving each other for life. And within that, what you often get is you get rules. Uh, you get things to do. Um, and, and you want to do those things because you're, you're married. You know, like uh, you might have heard me use this illustration before, but when you see two people who have just started dating for the first time, uh, you see the guy, like, if he's got a car and he's taking the girl out, like, he runs to open her door, you know, and he feels like something he has to do for this relationship. So he opens the door for her and then she gets in. And then, you know, when they drive, he, he like, chooses to, like, drive carefully or whatever. He's, he, you know, people make up rules as they go, but they want to follow them because they're so into this person. And that's what Christianity is. And you, you can see that in somebody who is not a lukewarm Christian person who is who's hot for God who's not cold because their their first desire is man I love this guy I want to get to I want to be in a relationship with this guy uh, and then what what you find is what comes next is the wanting to follow Jesus just follows because you're in such a joy you you it's such a joy and awe of this person um, so that's w when you see a, 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 a hot Christian Christian is actually someone who I bet you is actually not going to stay Christian for long because they've got the mixed around. They're doing all the law stuff and all the legal stuff and they're going, I need to maintain this. I need to maintain this. And logically you actually can't maintain that, but they don't think that. So they just keep pushing and pushing and eventually they actually just burn out as a Christian and they just give up um, because they've got it the wrong way around. Um, yeah. So that's so, helpful because Sorry. Yeah, I was going to get, yeah, okay, Karen, sorry. No, but that's helpful because that it answers exactly the second part. Like, how do you help your friends who are there? Yes, you yes. don't say to them, like, oh, keep trying harder. You don't talk to them. You don't deal on actions. You talk to them about their heart. You talk to them about what's bringing them peace. You spend yeah. time, like, saying, hey, would you like to pray together? Jesus is the only source of change. You know, don't, like, don't push them on behaving better. You're like, hey, Jesus is my source of peace. I feel like I had a terrible day yesterday and yet there was someone who got it because I could talk to him, talk to them yeah. about heart rather than Thanks. behavior. Yeah. So, and I think that's great. And I think the last part there, it said, if I'm considered, if, if I am considered a lukewarm Christian, how do I ask for God's help? I think the thing is just, let me, let me give you an exciting thing. Just, just go, you know what? Today I get 
to love God. I get to know God and then go and get to know him. Um, sometimes I like to do just, these are just practical things I like to do as a Christian is I like to, uh, put certain things in my, in my practice of Christianity that I would do in other things. So for example, if the Bible tells me that my relationship with God is like a marriage, then I do what I would normally do with like a person, which is I set up a date with God. Like I'll spend a few moments saying, okay, today I'm going to get to know God. And that means reading my Bible, but thinking of it almost like a date, like when you're on a date, if you're the one who does all the talking, then you're a terrible date. So, so try and be like a good date and say like, let's get to know God. And then, Take some time praying to him and then asking God for his help. That's the great thing about Christianity is you can actually in prayer just say, God, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to be a Christian. Just help me out here. Um, and then and then the last thing is uh, if and come join us for a lot of these events that we're doing. Uh, so come join us next week. And the nice thing is if you feel you've got a lukewarm f Christian friend, then that person likely thinks that they're a Christian and they may not, and I'm saying may not purposefully, they may not feel uncomfortable to coming to Christian events. So then bring them along um, and let them see what Jesus really is like. Um, you do this one next. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in light of mental illness, how do we know where those who are Christian and have committed suicide are going? Sure. Good question. Great question. So let me read it one more time just so we're on the same page. Um, in light of mental illness, how do we know where people who are Christian but have committed suicide are going when they die? Awesome. Zach, I know you're itching to answer this question. <laughs> I don't know about itching, but I'll, I'll answer it. Um, so so I, th I think the first part of the question is obviously on mental illness. Um, and I'll just say two things there. One, um, I think, not that I think, I know mental illness is, is a real thing. Um, and and um, it's, and I think most of us have um, not really understood what it, it is. Um, and, and I think it's because of the second thing, which is the, the hype around it, you know, so so some celebrity in Hollywood comes out and says mental illness and all of a sudden everything is about mental illness, which I think that's not helpful where people have just made it a, a trend and, and other people have even used it as an excuse. Um, you know, so, and I think that makes it harder than for people to actually understand what mental illness is. But I spoke to probably two friends of mine who are doctors, um, and the best way they described it to me is it's, uh, it's, it's an injury. So, so if you'd break your leg, for example, you know, we would take you to the doctor and they would, they would have x-rays and da da da, and then they would give you uh, medication in the process of healing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, and so I think, I think we have thought of mental illness again because of the hype as something that's just, oh, we don't, we don't know what to do with it, whatever, whatever. Um, and so then people who are actually struggling with mental illness, um, we tend to just think, oh, just get over it. Like it's feelings or it's just emotions, but it's not. Something has actually broken. Um, and so it's a, it's, a real, it's a real thing, right? Um, so any, anyone who comes to you and says that they're struggling with, mental problems or mental issues, don't take it lightly. Um, find an adult, find a doctor, uh, let them really get examined. So, so that's one thing to say. And I think that speaks to the, to the 
the sad truth of what happened in Genesis 3, that sin affected everything, affected the world, it affected all creation, it affected our minds. Um, and so we will struggle with, uh, with, with brokenness on many levels. So if, 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 if somebody who's a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, they've given their lives to, to Christ, they wholeheartedly know that Jesus has died for their, their sins, um, and, and they've given themselves as a disciple um, to Jesus, somebody who is, is authentically a, a Christian. It doesn't mean that they're then immune to struggling with mental illness. Again, Christians can have their legs broken. You know, just because you, you're a Christian doesn't mean if, if you fall, you're not going to break your leg. Um, you can break your leg. So, so in the same way, something in your mind can break um, as a Christian. Um, and so, and so if, if you do have mental illness as a Christian, whatever form of mental illness you have, and, and, and then in, in the struggle with, with that particular uh, illness, um, you are convinced to take your life um, and, and you do take your life, which is an unfortunate thing. Um, it, you're not gonna end up in hell um, because you've, you've committed sin. Um, in that instance, in that in that case, uh, because your life has been uh, given to Jesus, you are Bible believing again, Christ loving, uh, sin hating Christian, um, and and you you fell uh, for a moment of weakness in that moment, um, and mental illness was stronger, and you took your life. You won't end up in hell again because Jesus died for that sin. Um, Jesus hung on the cross for that particular sin as well. Your past, present, and future sins, Jesus died for, um, and He covered all of that, um, and and so you won't you won't end up uh, in hell. Um, you will be with Him, but but even with that truth, um, I think a true Christian does not hear everything I just said and think to themselves, "Well, that's what I'm going to go do now and and, and take my life," um, because clearly Jesus has forgiven me. Um, and, that if that's how you're thinking, then that should be a red flag to say that you're probably not a Christian. Um, I'm not saying you're not completely, but I'm saying that's a red flag. So you probably need to pause, call one of us that we sit down and chat to, uh, chat to you, because uh, uh, again, an authentic Christian, your your your, nat your response as a Christian is not to take your life, but your response as a Christian is, what do I do? with the life that God has given me? How do I maximize all of that while I'm still here before he calls me home? Because life belongs in his hands. And you want to do all that you, you, you can with the life God has given you to share Jesus with many other people. Um, so, so, so I think that should be a red flag. If you think, shucks, I can take my life now. It's probably the easy way out. I would say, pause, come chat to us. Uh, let's, let's walk together. Um, but again, um, if in a moment of weakness, stuff does happen. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you love Jesus, he saved you, you will be, you will be in, in heaven. But again, like all Christians, you're going to have to account for your sin. So you're going to have to um, speak to God about why you did what you, what you did. Um, all, all Christians have to account for our sins. Yes, Jesus will be there. He's our advocate. Um, but but non-Christians... Non like Christians, we're all going to have to account um, for, for our sins. The, the hope and joy is that we have Jesus, um, but we, we're not exempt from answering. So, yeah, I hope that's helpful.
having having the thought of I want to kill myself doesn't make you a terrible Christian. I mean, Rafael will tell her story and you can read it on the Gospel Coalition. There's a point where she's like, oh, I feel like I can't kill myself. And I've had friends often say to me, I can't kill myself because I'm a Christian, but I beg God to take my life because things are so hard. Um, yeah. And no way I want to minimize the like how desperately hard it is when you're in that place. Um, and I think if you haven't been there, you couldn't possibly know. Um, um, so the things Black was saying is so true. If that's where you're at, don't do it alone. If nothing else, reach out for someone to sit with you in the midst of that mess. Um, so, but yeah, hundred percent. Thanks black. Because the truth, it wasn't you having time to ask for forgiveness after each sin that forgives you. So I think sometimes the logic is if I kill myself, I can't ask for forgiveness and then I'll go to hell. The truth is Jesus' death on the cross covers everything you can and will ever do. Um, he's that big. So then the motivation for carrying on is if, if he loved me this much, he's got a purpose in everything. But again, we realize that if you're in a really difficult place, that's super hard to hear. Um, yeah, so if you look across the screen, there are leaders, there are peers. Drop a message. We don't want you to be alone. You're not. So, okay. Okay. So, next question uh, Is death temporary or permanent? Uh, the, the question, and the, uh, the answer that I'm going to give is that actually, uh, for both non Christians and for Christians, death is temporary. Um, because uh, if you are not a believer, you will die but you will inherit eternal life of hell. Um, and if you are a Christian, you inherit an eternal life of being with Jesus. Um, and so uh, it's a good question because this is something I've been reflecting on a lot lately is the way we speak in our lives. We speak as if our lives are not eternal. Uh, for example, uh, someone looks at me who's 33 and says, I'm old. <laughs> And then they look at someone who's in their teens, like Ella, who's looking at me. She's going, yeah, you're right. You're Donald. Um, <laughs> so, or, and then you look at someone who's in their teens and you say that they're young. But actually, in comparison to the, our, our, the, the, how long our lives are, we're actually all going to live eternally. Um, and so we're all young right now, uh, all of us. Uh, and even when we're 80, we're still young. Um, and even the way we think, if you think about it, we think of life as in, uh, I have a 10-year plan or I have a five-year plan. I know this is what I'm going to do when I finish school. Um, but we never think, what's my 100-year plan or my 200-year plan or my 300-year plan? Um, but actually, we should be thinking that way because our lives are actually eternal. And if you think about it, this part of our life that is on this earth um, it's not even not point not 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 millions of noughts one percent of your life if you think that you live eternally. Um, so so a good question really is to ask what is your two hundred year plan? Um, because the way to get there is to believe in Jesus. All right. Um, what time do you want to end? So. Uh, Should we, do you want to make this our last one? Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll. Let's do, yeah, you're right. Okay, let's do one more question. And then uh, we're sorry if we didn't get to all your questions. And then what we're going to do at the end is we're going to 
play a, a, a quick testimony video um, from from a teenager who was part of uh, Christchurch, and uh, and then we'll close off in prayer. Okay, so the question is, uh, can you be a Christian uh, and uh, be cursed? What, so, what kind of curse? Like a, like a white people Harry Potter curse or like a <laughs> black people Sangoma curse? This is why I'm like, I'm always holding back because in, in like white culture, no one would even use the word cursed um, so it's quite far removed from my experience of that but people would talk about um oppression like demon possession versus demon oppression does i mean black is that helpful does that kind of fit the same role yeah yeah i think it does yeah um I think so no sorry you go you go Lord. no 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 i feel like you <laughs> you definitely should answer this one <laughs> so um yeah, so, so I think the short answer is no. Um, uh, a, a Christian cannot be cursed. Um, again, the Bible tells us that Jesus became a curse um, for us. So obviously that's obviously a curse that God pronounced on the world um, um, as a result of the fall. But, but I think it does apply to all other curses. And, and here's why, because the, the Holy Spirit... Um, who occupies our hearts and, and Ephesians tells us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, you know, so, so our salvation and our election, our being with God. So if you are a Christian, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in that eternal relationship with God. Um, yeah, the Holy Spirit won't share space with, with anything or anyone else. Um, and so, and so that's, that's the comfort. Um, I think the, the Bible gives us, um, especially I grew up in the hood and obviously like if you hear a rat on your roof, you already think it's some old lady with a monkey uh, who's, who's coming to curse you. Um, and, and I remember when I became a Christian, just how, how relieved I was. So even, even when I heard stupid things on my roof, um, the, the thought that uh, any of that stuff would, would, would get to me uh, was, was uh, not there. Because again, the, the truth that I'm sealed in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is not going to share space with, uh, with anybody. And I think that's, that's what Lauren was, was getting to with uh, demon oppression and demon um, um, possession. You know? So can, can a Christian be possessed uh, by, by demons? Um, at, least, at least the amount of clever theologians I've engaged with would say no. I would say no as well. Um, again, because because that's just how great and powerful the Holy Spirit is, um, and so so a true and authentic Christian um, cannot be cannot be um, uh, oppressed or possessed by by demons. Um, so so in in black culture, again, if somebody is struggling with mental illness, we would easily say that that's demon possession uh, or even demon oppression, um, but. But again, it's mental illness. It's not that there's demons that have entered me, or demons that have um, over overcome me at all. Um, so yeah, so I think the the answer is no. Um, are there demons though that that attack Christians? Yes, um, and I think say, Satan will do a number of things. You know, so so you, uh, attacks could look different. Um, so 
I, I remember, I mean, this is a stupid example, but I remember I was, I was recording a podcast with Royden and my phone just died, like in the middle of me making an amazing point. Um, and I was just like, that's, that's a demonic attack. That's it. Satan just did not want me to <laughs> communicate that. Um, that's a, it's a silly example, but uh, probably a better example is just now with Outreach Week. So we know that all of us are, are geared up in terms of our minds, our hearts. We all want to share Jesus. All the events that we're doing are just solemnly focused on, on, on sharing Jesus. And Satan does not want that. So he'll, he'll do crazy things. Like, you know, I, I had to record my sermon six times because technology kept on coming out, you know? And it's like, why? Why? Like, I, I never record my sermon six times. I just recorded once. Uh, at most, it would be twice, but now it's outreach week and Satan is, is unleashing more of his forces. So technology bombs out, electricity goes off, stupid things. Um, um, you know, and it, it's things that, that you would think, yeah, I mean, it would happen anyway, uh, but they just tend to happen quite a lot. Um, we experience it, you can ask Lauren and Gareth and some of the leaders of church, we experience it more when it is outreach week. But but can a demon come into my heart? I would say no. Be encouraged. Trust God um, that there's no demon that's going to come into you. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. As a, as a Christian, you are 100% safe. But we're aware that the Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yeah, but yeah. all that, that does is give us perspective. Because then when you see something, you're like, why does this make me so discouraged as a Christian? Why does this make me want to step back from church or not open my Bible? You're like, oh, that's clever. There are, the, the forces of evil are still there trying to discourage you and make you step away, but they don't have ultimate power over you. So you are on a castle top. Um, the arrows might come near your head as the army approaches, but you are in the most secure position you can be. So while we don't pretend they're not there, because I don't think that's helpful. Like it's silly to pretend there's no evil forces or demons in the world. The Bible's super clear about that. What we we never live in ultimate fear because Jesus is, like you said, that Holy Spirit in your heart means he's taken up all the space, man. There is no space. Would you one, one or last one? Yeah, and actually this kind of leads into the... It leads um, into the testimony. Into the yeah. testimony. Uh, yeah, so the question is, how do you save someone who using Christianity, who is using Christianity as a, an escape rather than believing it for what it is? Oh. Oh. So uh, let's just think of... So, um, so the first part of the question, the good news is that God actually does the saving. So that's an important part to remember that... Um, that when we, uh, and so uh, like the first step with this and with anything is to, uh, is to pray for that person um, that God would, if, if they're using Christianity as an escape, then work through whatever they're escaping to, uh, to work in their life. Yeah, can I be like on that point, totally call their bluff, be like, oh, hey, you're also a Christian, great, you should come to meet with me and read the Bible with me and go to prayer meetings. So if, yeah. they, like, if they're into it, be like, let me give you every opportunity because then they're like awkwardly can't say no. So call their bluff. I mean, the truth is real Christianity hits you like a bus. When it hits you, you cannot avoid it. Jesus yeah. is like that. So just give them lots of opportunities to be hit in the face by Jesus. Yeah, and I think, sure, there's so much that, that I think I can say to this, but so 
this so one of the ways people I've, I've often been asked this you know how do you evangelize to your, your friends in general never mind the person who is escaping christianity who's using christianity as an escape mm. uh is there's always actually a threefold approach to to evangelism uh we tend to think of the one which is uh just bash them over the head with the bible um that is that is an important part and ultimately it is the most important part that you share the gospel with people and you speak but there's two other parts as well. One is that you serve your friend. Um, and if you if you are, are not serving your friend and just t- giving them the Bible, then it's going to come across as you are just a Bible basher. But if you are just serving your friend and you never give them the reason as to why you are the way you are, then they'll never actually get to know Jesus. So you've always got to have that two-pronged approach. Uh, and, and so what is wise is you start off by saying, okay, listen, if, if this is a friend who is using Christianity as an escape, uh, I want to share the truth, truth with them. And so the way you get to be the respected person in the situation where they're actually going to want to listen to you is when your life shows them that you have something worth saying. So serve them, uh, and, and sometimes take some time out of your day to practically think how can I serve this person so you guys have heard me maybe say this before but thinking of things serving someone starts with you thinking less of yourself and more of them so when they talk to you uh, switch off that desire to keep talking 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 and just start listening and when they tell you things go home and write it down so that the next time you see them you say hey you told me about this last time how's that going how's this going how's that going um, when you see that they need help, don't just go, oh, okay, that's nice. Like, go, hey, I see you struggling to get home from school today. Can I ask my parents to give you a lift home or something like that? Or uh, can I carry your books for you? Or can I, uh, can I help you in this? I mean, you guys get what I'm saying. I'm, I'm now blabbering on. Um, and then the third thing you do is when you've got those two things is you pray. Uh, and these things don't, the praying doesn't come in any specific order. It happens the whole time because ultimately it is not God who, who ultimately it's not you who saves people. It is God who saves. And so you keep praying for them. Um, that's, that's probably the best thing that you can do. And then you, this person, if they are using Christianity as an escape, they'll actually see that they're blaspheming um, because they're just using God's name in vain for their own reasons. Um, and, and hopefully they actually go, actually, this Christianity that I'm faking, that person's got it genuinely. And, and I respect them enough to hear what they have to say because their lives showing me that there's something different in them. I'd be interested to know what they're using it as an escape from. But um, I'm probably, yeah. That thing as well, but I think, I think it's... Uh, well, the person who you'll see now, like I think this video that we're gonna watch kind of helps it out. If it doesn't, then the person who asked that question, can you type it in the chat, and then maybe we'll try and add more to our answer. Anyway, this is a video. Um, her name is Norma. She's a first year this year, so first year college, first year of us, yeah, first year uni. Yeah. Um, and she went through teens. Um, so it's literally it's someone who's like right where you've been. So um, we're gonna play that now. Okay, I'm just gonna get it set up quickly. Cool. Um, Guys, thank you so much for your questions. We appreciate, um, yeah, it's just, it's really, it's a privilege to engage on these things. And this doesn't have to be like a one-way conversation. It's it's come back at us, we can chat. Um, and yeah, we appreciate, we appreciate that you're thinking and we appreciate um, 
yeah, the, the quality of these questions. It's good. Right. Cool. Are you all good to go? Yeah, I think so. All right, let's play. Hi, my name is Noma Bilana. I'm 19 years old. I'm a first year student and I used to go to Christchurch College. So my life has, you know, always been based around Christ. I was born into a Christian home, went to church every Sunday and always had the Lord around me. I always had Bibles around me, Christian music. I, I definitely grew up in a Christian household. So I'd always known about God and what he had done and what Jesus had done for us. But I think, you know, even with going to impacts and life groups, I still wasn't a Christian for myself. I was definitely doing it for my mother. I, I didn't have the conviction within me and in my heart. Um, I definitely believed and I definitely tried to be Christ-like, but that was more out of obedience than I think my own free will. Um, and then I got into high school and I think then I really started to turn away from Christ in the sense that um, he just didn't fit the description of what I wanted in my life at that time. Definitely went through a rough time in high school. Um, personal life and schooling life, it just, I, I found myself turning away from him because, you know, he didn't condone the things that I wanted to do or the person that I wanted to be. So I definitely turned away from him. And during that time I was active in church and active in Bible study, but I think I never took the lessons home with me until I was about 17 years old in grade 11 and I think I had hit the lowest part of my life and I just turned to God. I That is when I think I became a Christian for myself and that is when I was truly convicted and that is when my journey started. Uh, life before Christ was, it didn't seem so different until I actually did become a Christian on my own. It was pretty normal for the most part, but I, I do now see situations where the absence of God was truly felt. I didn't have um, someone to really talk to and listen to me in, in the sense of my spirituality, in regards to my spirituality. Um, so the absence, now that I look back, is, is pretty apparent. Um, but it was pretty normal until you know you become a Christian and you realize that the life you've been leading without Christ was definitely a dark place. But I accepted Christ into my heart when I was 17 and I haven't looked back since. It uh, definitely hasn't gotten any easier to be a Christian. You know, there are things now that you have to consciously resist and, you know, try and embody Christ every day with an active mind and wake up every day and know that you have to challenge the sins of the world and the temptation but definitely has been more comforting to have Christ in my life even with these harder times there's someone I can talk to, there's someone who can guide me there's someone who I know has my best interest at heart and is always planning the best for me but it is definitely gotten a little bit harder because as I've stepped into university and a bigger space, I have found that you know the temptations have gotten even worse and 
you can really stray from Christ at this time. But I think things that I've gone through where I know that nobody but Christ could have gotten me through that has shown me that He will be there for me all the time, everywhere, whenever I need Him, even if I don't need Him. For my, my successes and for my failures, He's always been there. So I think just knowing that God's hand has been in my life since I've accepted Him has truly kept me steadfast in my journey. And yeah, so thank you for listening to me. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, so that's it for for today. Uh, that testimony was really helpful. I uh, hope this question answer time has been very helpful. Um, and if you if you wanted to, this is your first time you've joined us. Uh, you can keep joining these kinds of things. Uh, Friday nights, we, we're meeting at half past seven on Zoom at the moment. Uh, the church has got plans for us to go back, so I'll let you know more about those uh, next week. Um, let me just see if the person... Uh, uh, okay, so let me quickly look at the... Um, so let me just quickly read this for Black and I, and we'll just quickly uh, finish this one, and then and then we'll close off and pray. So the person who asked the question says, I guess the person is trying to escape failure or the feeling of never being enough, especially in the situation of adoption. Uh, as the are looking through and feeling that the only way to please others is to at least, is to at least one thing correct, be a Christian. Okay. So this person is actually struggling with an identity issue. Um, and this is something that I've done a lot of work on myself, identity, because um, I struggled with my own personal identity myself. And uh, in some ways, uh, I also know of other people who, uh, I had a friend of mine who, okay, no, I won't share that story, but, but like, uh, who, who you feel like the pressure is to look a certain way or be a certain person. And if that means being a Christian, uh, then you're doing what you want, which is to build your own identity. Um, and, uh, after years and years of suffering with this and reading a lot of books, uh, I read this book by uh, Graham Bain and called uh, Mirror Mirror. Um, and uh, one thing that hit me between the eyes when I read it, uh, so he didn't say this, but I kind of worked it out from the book, is when you look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, you learn a few things about the way we're made. Uh, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, God is speaking about how he's made us. And he says, let us make man in our image uh, in, in, in our, and in our likeness. And, and what you learn from that is a couple of things. You learn one is that you're actually not the person who creates images. God is. Uh, so it's your, not your job to build your self-image. It's actually God's job. And if you look at the whole story of the Bible, it says that we lost our self-image. We lost the perfect image, which is what we all desire, right? We all want to have a perfect image. Um, we all want to look perfect for everybody else. And God says, well, you lost that at Genesis 3. That's sin into the world. And so because sin is inside of you, you're never going to look the way you want, no matter how hard you try. You're never going to look perfect for, for not just me, not just God, um, but for everybody else. Okay? Um, and God's like, but you know what? I have created a redemption plan for you to get back into that perfect image. Uh, and that's why I bought Jesus. Uh, and you can actually see the very first after... 
After the very first sin that um, that is committed after the, the fall is um, Adam and Eve. You, do you remember the story? They eat the fruit, everything falls into chaos, and the very first thing that that happens is uh, is that they feel shame, um, and that's the kind of thing that uh, sometimes we look in the mirror and and the reason we don't like what we see is because we feel shame. And Adam and Eve are the same thing. They looked in the mirror and they're like, "I'm ashamed of this." I, I shouldn't have done what I did to God. I've completely blown it. And the first thing that happens is shame. In other words, the first thing that happens is Adam and Eve have an identity crisis. They look at themselves and they go, you know what? I'm not good enough. And so they clothe themselves with, with like fits and stuff and they make clothes. Um, so if you are struggling with your identity, um, struggling with you are and how you look maybe it's you you struggle with how you look when you look in the mirror or you struggle with the kind of person you are the person you become the great news is you can go back to god and say god listen you made me in your image i know you didn't make me a god but you made me someone who you would look at and go um i'm happy with um and so if you can do that god if you're the guy who builds the images can you do me a favor can you start working in me can you start building the image that you've created me to be uh, and that's a joyful thing of being able to take, you know, the Bible's the cross. Jesus says, uh, all who are burdened. Um, that's one of the big burdens that we have is our own identity. And how joyful is it we can take this huge weight that's on our shoulders and we can say, yeah, you take it. I mean, that's the most joyful thing. So when I had that, when I read that book and I understood Genesis chapter one, it was like a massive freeing thing for me. And so perhaps for that person, Maybe that's the thing to kind of show them that uh, they, because because what as I'm reading that I'm just seeing this person is deeply struggling, they're not happy with life, and here you can actually say here's here's joy, I'm serving to serving it to you on a plate. Here is joy, just get to know this Jesus and let Him build your life from the ground up. That was a very quick answer to something that's a lot longer. So if you ever want to come chat to me more about that, just, um, you know, if you see me around the school or something, come chat to me. I really, uh, one of my, one of my, my uh, joys is I love studying psychology as well. Not studying it like in a college, but reading books. Uh, so if you have friends who are thinking about these things or what, just come and chat. Um, I'll be happy to answer. All right. So guys, that is it. We've come to the end. I'm going to give you the power to unmute yourselves. Um, uh, so yeah, we've we've come to an end. Uh, why don't I quickly pray for us, and um, we can go. Lord, we are so grateful for the fact that you are this this powerful and amazing God. I uh, thank you that you have created, you've revealed yourself to us. You've shown us that believing in you is not irrational or stupid. Uh, that it's completely rational, and and thank you, Lord, that it's not just. We don't just believe in you because we want to. We want to run away from hell, but we believe in you because you give us life. Um, there's a joy in you that only you can give, um, and so we thank you for that, Lord. And Father, my prayer uh, is that if anybody is here who doesn't believe in you, my prayer is that they'll take a they'll take a stand on their own lives and say, you know what, I want to believe in this Jesus. I want to give my life to him. Uh, and so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in them and that they won't just see today as the end, but they will come on Friday nights. They will come next week, Sunday. Uh, they will make church a thing um, because they want to change their lives to, to receive this joy that is in you. Um, yeah, Father, and lastly, I just want to pray for those who are Christians here. I pray that this has really helped them see uh, 
their Christianity in a different way. Uh, I pray that it's helped them grow. Um, Lord, it's so wonderful that you you can use so many things to draw people near to you, uh, and even discussions where we're talking about you in a some ways a scientific sense, uh, where we're just talking about facts, uh, can still bring people to a deeper relationship with you. And we are so thankful for that, and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys. So yeah, that's that's the end. Uh, I'm hoping I'll see you guys next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Guys. Cheers, everyone. Um, Gareth. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if I could talk to you about something. Yeah, sh sure. You totally can. Um, okay. Uh, Mind if I just quickly just open my door quickly? Uh, I'm just a bit stuffy in here. So just... Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah, go for it. Um, it's not church related. Um, but so, um, how do I word this? Okay. So I've noticed that like no one's using the cafe anymore, and my cousin has like a cafe type thing like business and she was wondering like she saw the space and she was wondering if like it's being rented out or like if someone's using it and like how like if she could maybe yeah and who yeah. would you need to speak to yeah so you know what you should do um just thinking so i actually uh don't really know much about what's happening with the cafe um i know i know that i, I i've actually asked for us to use it on fridays because one of the things i want to do is uh is do a, a coffee shop ministry for teens so on fridays after school people can come and play board games and like they'll play xbox and all that kind of stuff and then hopefully we can serve coffee and you know that that's yeah. the only and then i just emailed it out and got, i emailed it out to royden and i got response but what you could do is um i'm just trying to think what's the best option here uh let me uh so what's your sister's name uh my cousin uh, Malibu. uh okay i'll tell you what is uh i will message um i'll message the the lady who was running the cafe bronwyn anderson and i'll see if uh what what the process is uh and then uh will you be at excuse me will you be at uh uh will you be with us next week friday or sunday yes yes okay cool then maybe just um when you're on next week friday or sunday just message me on the chat to remind me I'll give you okay. what your answer is because Brahman generally takes me back. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you so okay. much. Is that it? Yes, cool. that's Thanks, it. Thanks, <laughs> Great. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.